Uh, let's, let's just begin this part of our worship time with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you that you have a word to speak to us today. And we ask that you would speak, that we would hear, and that you would help us to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We continue in this series of Simply Jesus, and I want to begin just with a question today. How is your heart? As you come here, how are you feeling this morning? Are you joyful? Maybe you're in a time of joy where you think, yes, things are going great. I just thank the Lord for all these amazing things that are happening in my life. Maybe you're feeling heavy. Maybe you're passing through a difficult time. Maybe you're distracted. And even though you want to be here mentally, you're maybe not here this morning 100%. So I wanted to t just take a moment to just to, to settle amidst the noise that we might feel. And this is going to be a different exercise that I don't think I've seen us do in Threshold necessarily. And it's maybe uh, beyond the, the small groups that we've been having over the last number of weeks. We're going to take a moment uh, of, to spend some time in meditation. Uh, and it's going to be one minute. And I'm just going to give you a heads up. It's going to feel like an eternity because it will be like a full minute. But I think I just want us to listen to what's in our hearts as we take this pause, as we, as we take this time before the Lord. So um, we've put up this beautiful graphic here that's next. And I want us, before it starts, um, before it starts, there we go, thank you. <laughs> There's a, we did something really cool up there. It has the countdown and everything, but I guess I have to serve it up. So I want us to think through, and, and the Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. As we take this one minute to rest and reflect, breathe in through your nose, be still. Breathe out through your nose and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. So now we'll do the exercise. I'll just ask everybody to, um, to rest in God's presence and it's, we're going to have the, the clock. It's going to be one minute. Just relax and be still and know that he is God. What noise did you hear amidst the silence just now? It might have been perfectly silent, but I'm guessing if you're at all like me, there's a lot of noise in your mind. What do I have to do next? What's this worry that I have? 
What's the kind of noise that you're feeling in your heart, in your life right now? We're gonna, today we're going to dig into scripture, a section of scripture that speaks to hearing God amidst all the noise in our lives. So I want to invite us to Mark chapter 4, verse 3. And a lot of us will know it as the parable of the sower. Sometimes it's known as the parable of the soils. And this passage is all about hearing God's voice. In fact, if you look at this extended passage, Mark uh, 4, 1 through 20, the, word, the Greek word for hearing appears nine times in these 20 verses. Nine times. So the, Jesus has a point to make here. He's saying, listen. He's saying, hear. It's important to hear. So let's, let's go through the, this scripture right now. I'm going to jump through two different parts. First, Mark 4, 3. Listen, Jesus says. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jumping ahead to verse 14. Jesus explains the parable. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30 some 60, some 100 times what was sown. This is, a, this is an interesting parable. And one of the most important things I think to, to remember is that when Jesus talks about the parable of the sower, it's almost scandalous how he's throwing the seed all over everywhere. I mean, in that time, farmers were very, very careful about how they planted the seeds. And on first blush, in this passage, Jesus is saying this, this sower is just flinging it everywhere. And he's making a mess. Now, one of the thoughts I had in preparation for this message, I should bring in a bunch of seeds. And wouldn't it be fun to just throw them all over everywhere? And then I thought, well, then I'd have to probably clean it up. So I'm just not going to do that. But the idea is it was a liberal application of seeds everywhere. The vision that Jesus has for sowing the word of God is spreading it everywhere. So what is the purpose of the parable? Back then, 
I think that we can look at it, and there are two purposes. One is he helped, the parable helped disciples understand the responses of others. As we're looking at, those, at this passage, the chapters before and the chapters after, and Gabe already met, has mentioned it in the first couple weeks, there's, there are some people who have responded to Jesus, and they're in. They're drawn to him. But there are other people who are put off. And they're not ready to take a step of faith. And in fact, sometimes they openly are opposing Jesus. So this parable kind of helps his disciples understand why people respond the way they do. Why is it that the message of the kingdom of God is meeting with such mixed reception? But I think it also served to help the disciples understand themselves a little bit better. And what are those areas of spiritual wrestling that they have? And so I think for today, it also helps us to understand why do some people respond so readily and why do others not respond? But also for me personally, why is it that sometimes I respond so well and why is it that sometimes I get stuck? So let's look through these different scenarios. There's six seeds. I want us to look at the six kind of the six seeds that are being spoken of here. If you dig into the original language, it's literally talking about six seeds. And I, this is something that was really new and, and, and I missed before really digging in for the, uh, in a deeper way this week. So here's the six different kinds of seeds. A really cool animation in the background, so jump in. Um, the first seed disappears before it grows. The second seed begins to grow but dies. The next seed grows, but there's no fruit. The next seed produces 30 times the fruit. The next seed produces 60 times the fruit. And the last seed produces 100 times the fruit. Six different seeds. This passage talks about four different soils, and sometimes in the past when I've studied it or if I've heard other people reflect on it, the focus can be on the soil, and there's four different types of soils, and it, it's almost discouraging because you find out, oh, really only one-fourth of the soil was worth anything, right? It's almost like bad news. But when you look at this one, you're, you're looking at six different seeds, and of the six different seeds, three produced a result. And there's actually an emphasis on an amazing harvest. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what was started. So let's go to the first seed and look at the first response. There's the seed that disappears before growth. Mark 4, 14 to 15. The, sower, the farmer sows the word. This is Jesus' explanation. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. The seed is there, but it disappears. This text says the devil's real. Sometimes we can hear the word and it comes in one ear and it goes out the other ear. Sometimes some of our friends, people that we love, can hear God's word and it comes in one ear and it goes out the other ear. I can say that for many years in my life, I think that probably happened. I remember, I say the first 18 years of my life, 
I don't remember a single sermon that I heard. We went to church every Sunday, 52 times 18. I don't remember a single one. Sometimes a message goes in one ear and out the other, and I know that the Lord was at work during that time. I want to encourage those of you who are considering faith, who are considering jumping in with Jesus, give faith a chance. Don't let that seed be plucked away. That's the first kind of response. The second kind of response is the seed that begins to grow but dies. Again, reading Mark 4, 16 to 17. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is rocky, shallow soil. There's instant enthusiasm, but no root. I think too often we can fall into the trap of messed up expectations. Too often we can follow into the trap that following Jesus is the guarantee of an easy life. It's important that we reset our expectations. Following Jesus often means swimming against the current. The next kind of seed, this is where I want to lean into this morning and spend a little bit more time. So Mark 4, 18 through 19, this is the last group, this is the last set of unproductive soil. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. That idea of the seed that gives life, and this seed grows, and it's truly growing, but it lacks one thing. It doesn't give away any fruit. Gabe talked last week about the idea of, of spiritual zombies, right? Christian zombies, just kind of walking. I fear that sometimes we can become Christian zombies when we're not truly allowing the word to take root. But let's dig into the, let's dig into the three categories that are um, obstacles to fruit. And the first one mentioned in this section is worries. The worries of this life. It should be the next slide. The worries of this life. Three obstacles to fruit. First one is worries. What are the worries in your life? As I was thinking three things yesterday, I jumped on a, a news website and, and you see the news website yesterday is there's war in brewing, or started, however you qualify it, in Israel right now. We've been going through a whole season of war in the Ukraine. There's political uncertainty in our own country. We're all wrestling with worries in life. What are those worries that you wrestle with? What are the greatest worries for you right now? And going from the global to the local, what's your greatest worry related to your family? Related to your work, related to your health, related to a relationship, maybe. Worries aren't bad. I think of a worry as a great prompt to prayer. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4 Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Worries. What are those worries that are weighing you down? The next obstacle to fruit, wealth. This passage talks about the deceitfulness of wealth. So um, my daughter is in a junior in high school, and we are going through a process of looking at different colleges. And we started to make our college visits, and, and it's fun. Like, how many of you have been in that uh, process looking at colleges? And it's, it's beautiful. You go to these campuses, and they have all kinds of amazing things that you can see, all kinds of amazing food now, much better food than I had when I was in college. It's just absolutely amazing. And then, you know, we've looked at a different, uh, you know, virtual presentations from these schools as well. And everything looks absolutely beautiful until the last section of the presentation. The last section of the presentation is how much it costs. It's a fun process until that happens. The deceitfulness of wealth. I remember sitting the other day with uh, Rocio, my wife, and, and I said, you know, on one level, in, in what, some way, I'd just love to earn a lot of money right now. I mean, on one level, that'd be great. That'd pay for whatever school that I want for my kids. That'd be awesome. But that's always the temptation. Who doesn't want a new smartphone? Who doesn't want a new car? Who doesn't want a house? Who doesn't want to retire well? I looked at a statistic this past week, and it said 61% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 61%. Including 45% of Americans who, lit, who earn $100,000 a year and above. Living paycheck to paycheck isn't an issue of your income level, necessarily. The deceitfulness of wealth. They've done studies. They did a study in 2010. And in this study, they figured out what is the level of wealth that would actually make you happy? It's a really fascinating study. I think somebody was somebody out of Princeton University, and the, the research has been critiqued since. Um, but it was a fascinating study that said money does buy happiness. That's what the conclusion was. Up to $75,000. This is in the U.S. Up to $75,000 a year. But after that, increasing your income doesn't make you any happier. Fascinating. You know, it was $75,000... 14 years ago, what would that be today? I mean, probably 90,000. The point is not the level, but the point is that we're often deceived into thinking with just a little bit more wealth, I'll be able to do what I want. With just a little bit more wealth, I'll be able to achieve happiness. The deceitfulness of wealth. Third obstacle to fruit, desires. Desires. The desires for other things. You know, too often in churches we end up talking about bad desires. And we could go off on a whole list of what would be bad desires that you or I might have that distract us from listening to Jesus, from hearing his word and hearing that and having that word penetrate into our hearts. But the reality is a lot of our good desires can sabotage, sabotage us just as much as the bad desires. 
a breakthrough in your career, maybe a child you haven't yet been able to conceive, maybe a relationship that's been elusive for you. Many of these things are great things, beautiful things, good things, but they can take too much of a central role in our lives. Let's go to the next slide. So there's good news amidst this. And this is the good news that really encouraged me as I, as, as I was studying this week. Jesus says, others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. I want you to pay attention to something you probably don't see here. There's actually a change of verb tense in the original language. Previously, it was talking about the past. Previously, it was talking about that somebody who heard, as in one action, as in the past. Up here, the Greek verb tense has changed. It's no longer a one-time action. It's an ongoing action. So think of it this way. Continue to hear. Those who continue to hear the word, those who continue to accept it, those continue to produce a crop. In other words, this is a group that didn't just hear the word once. This is a group that heard it and heard it again and heard it again. And this is a group that responded by saying yes and yes and yes. It wasn't a stagnant faith that stayed in the past. It was a faith that moved toward the future. When it talks about the harvest, the translation called the message says the following, it was a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. Turn to the next person and say, beyond your wildest dreams. That's what we're used to, like a hokey kind of promise, right? But it says it, it's a, it's a real promise. It's beyond your wildest dreams. And when you look at a biblical explanation of what that is, it's not wealth. It's not you know, producing X, Y, or Z, it's fruit that will only truly grasp in heaven at the resurrection what that fruit actually was. Now, I believe that this is a room of good soil people. There's four kinds of soil, right? There's the path, it doesn't even penetrate. There's the, there's the rocky soil. There's the soil that's kind of contaminated by the thorns. And then there's the soil that truly is black dirt. That soil where anything is going to grow in it. Let's go to the next slide, please. A lot of us have come to know really well what these things are over the last few years. I must admit, when we were in, Rocio and I were in Mexico City, um, when the Apple's iPod, uh, AirPods first came out in like 2016, I guess is when they came out. And I'll never forget, I'd, I'd hear people talking about these, you know, these earphone things. <laughs> and, and, they, and they cost $160, which for us at that time was 3,200 pesos. And we're just like, <laughs> what in the world? Why would anybody pay for these kind of things? And, uh, and, and then... Then I, to, be, to be honest, I must admit, I look, back, look down on that. I'm like, why, how can you spend your money on those kind of things? Then the pandemic hit. And, and then I began a 
job that had me largely working virtually, not just during the pandemic, but uh, long term, spending most of my time connecting virtually with people all the way around the world, which is awesome. It's amazing. But the difficult part is being in your home with all kinds of people <laughs> making all kinds of noise <laughs> as you're trying to work. I don't know if any of you can relate to that in any way. And I just, I thought, you know, how's, how's this going to work? I ended up getting a, a, a gift for Christmas, which were these noise-canceling earphones, these noise-canceling earbuds. And I didn't even know what to think of that at the time. Like, okay, I don't know what these things really are. I don't know how this works. Like, okay, it sounds like a good idea. And, and then I figured out the genius of some of these things. It's not an endorsement. No, I'm getting, I'm not getting paid. <laughs> but it's amazing, like, the technology that it hears, like, these little earbuds, and depending on what kind you buy, you have, like, these little microphones in there, and they can hear the type of sound that comes in, and they can cancel through the, you know, the, the, the thing there that <laughs> I'm way past my pay grade as it relates to technology. But it cancels the noise, and it's incredible that you can actually block out all kinds of noise. So you'll often see me in my office with these really, you know, thick earbuds so I can be focused on what I'm doing. Wouldn't it be amazing? if God could give us Holy Spirit-powered, noise-canceling like earphones, earbuds. Because <clears throat> I think we all need to cancel out a lot of noise in our life. What would it look like for God to cancel out the noise that's buzzing in your ear? What do you need to cancel out as it relates to the noise in your life? Is it worries? Is it wealth? Is it desires? And what does it look like to tune our earbuds especially so that we can hear God's voice and we can hear God's word amidst all that other stuff? I want to go to the final slide. Turn to the next person and say, exponential. <laughs> That's the promise. If we keep listening, if we keep canceling out the noise that's there, if we keep saying yes to what God is saying to us, we have this promise. 30, 60, 100 times, God will do it in our lives and in others. We're not talking about wealth. We're talking about some heavenly metrics that we'll never really understand fully in this lifetime. But you and I can be absolutely certain that when that seed comes into us, if we've said yes, and if we keep saying yes, that fruit is going to be ridiculous. That fruit's going to be amazing. That fruit's going to be expensive. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your promise of exponential fruit. When we hear your word, keep hearing your word, 
when we accept your word, keep accepting your word, when we keep saying yes to you. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit today in new and fresh ways, that you would help us to be attentive to you and cancel out all that other noise. In Jesus' powerful name.